0: You are listening to The Nameless Minority. Let's get started. My guest today is Jennifer Shoemaker. She is the mother of Bella Shoemaker, who passed away right before her sixth birthday. She is also my ex-wife. Let's take a listen. Welcome, Jennifer, to the podcast. Uh, thank you for taking your, your time out of your day to uh, be with me today. As you know, the podcast Mm -hmm. is about the ultimate loss, and if you could give a description about why you were on the podcast today.
1: Okay, so um, starting in 2005, um, our daughter started her journey with brain cancer, and um Unfortunately for her, she um, passed away. It'll be 10 years, March 27th, which is hard to think that we're approaching double digits in losing her.
0: Um, You know, that that just hit me yesterday mm -hmm. that that it's uh, 10 years.
1: Yeah. I thought of it a couple weeks ago. I, I had to do the math. And and think back. Okay, yeah, it'll be ten years. And some days it feels like it's been forever, and then other days it's like it just happened. And so that's that's the the weird thing about grief, for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, can you? Um... Tell me what one thing you miss in particular about her.
1: Holy cow. You know, she just. She was one of those people that just kind of could take over a room. And it's weird to say that about a child that was like five years old, but she just had this way about her. Um, She's just so funny and just had so much personality and she would come in and she was large and in charge and just drew people to her. And that energy that she had is something I just miss so much.
0: I was always amazed about how much of a people person she was, how mm-hmm. she never met a stranger. Yeah. And I always thought for some reason that it was equated with her being blind. So mm-hmm. I always thought, and this is a strange thought, that if we were all blind and we could not see each other, would that make any difference in the world? Would we?
1: It would for me.
0: I mean, it takes I, the judgmental part out of all of it.
1: That and you just, your, um, your reference to the world, your perceptions of the world are just so different. How you interact with the world, it's just, it's uniquely different.
0: Yes, it is. What is your favorite memory Oh, Lord. Equated with <laughs> Bella.
1: Oh, my goodness. Hmm. That's, that's so hard. My favorite memory. I'm trying to think of the thing that I kind of go back to the most when thinking about her. Um, I would say, geez, there's so many. How do you pick just one? Well, my my
0: personal <laughs> favorite story is the Joe is a boy.
1: Yeah, there is that. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, you want to tell it? You always enjoy telling that one.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you had gotten her hair cut, and uh, it was Joe's. Was it wife or girlfriend? Significant Good. other. However. I don't don't exactly know. Wife. Wife. Okay. And so she made some reference to Joe. um, And I'm trying to remember how it it all started. Joe is a girl. Joe is a girl. And so I was like, no, Joe is a boy. And it was one of those things. I had to make a split-second decision. I thought, okay, you know, she can't see gender differences or traditional gender differences. So I guess, you know, I'm just gonna have to just bite that bullet and start getting her accustomed to thinking that there are typically boys and girls and, you know, and some people now don't uh, kind of identify with either or they're fluid, but for a little child, let's start with just, boy and girl uh, as far as a frame of reference. And so I had, I'm just like, okay, well, Joe is a boy because he has a penis. And I, you know, as someone who's an advocate for children, I'm like, I I want to teach her the appropriate names, uh, technical names for genitalia. And so I went ahead and I just went there. I thought, okay, let's just get this started. And so then we were out in public and she just popped out with, Joe is a boy. And I'm like, that's right. And then she's like, penis. And I'm like, oh, jeez. <laughs> what have I started? And I'm sure I laughed a little bit. And of course that's always dangerous with Bella because you laugh at something and she would repeat it. And so it just became this snowball thing. And I'm just like, Bella, we can't say that though. That's not out in public. You know, if we're going to talk about this, we talk about this at home. So then out in public again, Joe is a boy penis at home. And I'm like, crap. This is getting worse, and so it just kind of snowballed from there. And and she knew she was being funny, and she knew to say it to to just create this funny little moment. So so yes, that's the Joe is a boy story that just is. I mean, it's typical Bella.
0: I can tell you that Joe still laughs at it. I'm sure he does.
1: Yeah i'm sure he enjoyed having a, a child uh you know reaffirm his his gender identity for well him. He,
0: he probably did <laughs> he probably did
1: but you know I, kind of going back to her personality and being so funny i mean it's it's all these little moments that are favorites of mine uh and some stick out more than others and so you know one in particular and this just goes back to how smart she was but we could drive from our apartment to uh, Covington Park and she loved being on the swings and going as high as she could on the swings and so uh, it was just so funny how She knew she had a little map in her head and had memorized all the turns that we had to take. And so we would turn from Scottsville Road onto Covington and she immediately would get all excited because she knew we were right there at the park. And so that's always sweet to think about for me. And one of my favorite stories, um, just I was sharing with someone today how she somehow knew when I'd pop my eyes open in the morning and would be awake because the moment I would do that, she would all of a sudden be like talking to me from her room, ready to get up. And it's just like, how does she know that I just woke up because I haven't even like gotten out of bed yet or anything. And so she's just such a smart little cookie.
0: Very much so. Now Mm. on the other side of that, What is your least favorite memory?
1: I would have to say it was the night of her surgery in Boston. Because her surgery, it was like eight hours. And Dr. Scott started at like noon or they took her back at noon. And so it was like, I don't know. Nine ten o'clock at night and um you know we had had an opportunity in the ICU to visit with her because it was your parents my parents my aunt your brother you know there's just a big group of us and so a couple of us had an opportunity to go back there and I was staying in the ICU with Bella that night and everybody else had gone back to their hotels or the Ronald McDonald house and they couldn't get her pain under control. And so she had been intubated with the tube down her throat for surgery so long that she, um, She couldn't cry. No sound was coming out because her vocal cords had been irritated so much from that tube. And I knew she was screaming her head off. But no sound was coming out. And it was the most painful thing for me to witness. And it's probably it's probably the worst memory I have. Even worse than the memories of the day she died because in some ways I associate that with peace for her and knowing that wherever she is she was no longer in pain but this was probably the through all of it was probably the most pain I ever saw her in and it was just it took them so long it felt so long for them to get her pain under control
0: I don't know if I remember any of that.
1: Yeah. See, I and I don't know that you saw any of that. I I want to say that that all happened when we, when we were all there as a group and going back like two at a time to see her, she was still under the effects of the anesthesia right. and and all of the pain medication that they give during the surgery. And so I think all of that had worn off and they were just struggling to get that pain under control. So I don't know that you or anybody else saw that but me and the nurses.
0: My least favorite memory of a medical thing is when they had already drawn blood from so many places.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: That then they had to draw blood from her head. Yeah. And I remember I could not be there. I walked out of the room and Mm -hmm. you tell the story that they're doing it and there's no reaction and then the woman gets done and Bella just turns and screams like one loud Mm -hmm. scream at the lady and Mm -hmm. it's like it was done and all I can remember is being down the hall and hearing that one loud scream Mm -hmm. that's the worst besides the very beginning the worst like medical thing that I can think of
1: yeah, and it's so interesting. I mean, you know, grief and trauma, um, they do just really shitty things to your brain physical things, uh, memory things. I remember what you're talking about. Um, I'm on one side of the bed, the nurse is on the other, trying to access a vein in her skull. Uh, and I remember, I, I I have the visual of that, but I don't remember that one scream. Whereas it's interesting that that's what you remember, you have that memory, and I'm literally by her bedside and don't remember that.
0: Yeah, that's 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 the worst one I can think of. As for like a personal worst memory, I also consider it one of my better memories. Mm. Um. It was towards the end where she couldn't move and she couldn't talk. And mm-hmm.
1: not the only thing she
0: could do was smile and open up her eyes. But yeah. Even with opening her eyes, she couldn't see you. But I always wonder if she had like an image of what we look like. Um, mm. But I remember we were, I was at your apartment and you were in, in your bedroom, I think. And I literally just mm-hmm. said, man, I wish you could say I love you one more time. And she opened her mouth and mimicked, I love you. Mm -hmm. And that is the one day I left and went to work. And that's the only day I left work early. Yeah. Just with that running through my head was Mm -hmm. um, still, when I think about it, it, it's, it's a good memory. Yeah. It's a shitty memory. Yeah. Which I, I think there's, there's a handful of those that go, that go together
1: Mm -hmm. mm-hmm yeah and you know for me I find it interesting that it's very easy to think of like what is the the shittiest memory you have of all of what Bella went through and then it's so hard to pick for me at least it's so hard to pick out like a favorite memory um Because there are so many funny moments and amazing things she did. And I think that kind of encapsulates Bella. She, yes, she had some shitty moments in her life and she had um, some painful things that she went through. But it's like she kind of flipped the bird to all of that and was like, damn it. I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to have fun. And that's going to be the majority of my life is all these fantastic things. I mean, you know, you think about right before everything just, you know, the shit hit the fan and she, you know, lost the ability to walk and talk and eat and all of that. I mean, she was literally on the verge of starting to walk without assistance. She was so close and to think how far she came and how she just fought for everything, every single gain developmentally and physically and all of that. I mean, she was a fighter. And so the fact that there are way more wonderful happy memories for me than shitty memories I think just is a testament to who she was
0: yeah yeah she was uh a I'd like to say lover of music but I like mm-hmm. to call her a music snob <laughs> um as soon as she got in my car, she would tell me what we had to listen to. Uh
1: huh. Yeah. And
0: which song we had to listen to. <laughs> yes.
1: It
0: was always um, Trampled by Turtles. Uh huh. I think Damien Rice, which I really don't know how we ever made it past the one song where he's just cussing over and over and yeah. over. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm really glad she did not like that song. Um, but yeah, the Aver Brothers was a big one. Oh, yes. Um, And then, I don't know if you remember, Greg Wagner had the band, The Ocelots.
1: Mm, Yes. And they had
0: that one song, uh, Fight a Tiger, and she she really liked it a lot. Yeah. So, it it was weird and random what she liked and what she did not like.
1: I think one of our greatest achievements as parents is that we did not cultivate a love of like Barney or the Wiggles or anything like that in her. I'm like, we succeeded as parents just in her love of certain types of music.
0: (laughs) Well, that, that may have been a blessing for us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sure it was, you know, there was a little bit of selfishness on our part in, in that. Oh, that's okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so through all, so we're at the 10 year mark. Uh, Mm -hmm. What coping skills have you learned um, that maybe you could pass on to others? Because Mm -hmm. I I cope,
1: Mm -hmm. but I don't cope. Yeah. Oh, well, so I started seeing a therapist in 2012. And talking about my pain, talking about how I struggled, what what I struggled with, was one of the um, the best things for me. and um I used that experience of losing a child to create a bigger purpose in my life. And so I went back to school. I'm now a mental health counselor and that's been a huge help in being able to transform my grief into healing and into helping others. Um, But yeah, and I have a colleague, she uses this analogy with kiddos that she works with. But really, I mean, any person, adult or child, can understand this analogy. But when you have trauma, and I would, you know, definitely list losing a child as traumatic. Um, Anytime you experience trauma, it's as if you have this massive elephant on your chest and um, you know, it's hard to breathe. It's hard to function when you have severe trauma. It's hard to think it's, you know, there's just so many things about functioning as a human that become difficult for many who experience trauma. But the amazing thing about talking about your trauma is it's, it's as if that big elephant that's on your chest just starts to become lighter. Every time you tell your story, every time you talk about what triggers you, every time, you um, process those emotions that that massive elephant just gets lighter and lighter and lighter until it's not overwhelming anymore. And so, and with, with certain traumas, uh, and it depends on the person um, it's not like the grief ever goes away. It just, you just, kind of adjust to it and acclimate and it becomes a new normal so that you're able to enjoy life, laugh again, enjoy your friends. And then every once in a while it just decides to rear its ugly head.
0: Yes, it does. And it's usually mm-hmm. something small that brings mm-hmm. it back up. Yeah. I remember um, when I was, we were planning uh, my my second marriage, and mm-hmm. she she knows about Bella, but she not She still doesn't know like all the details and yeah everything. Um, and she made a CD of songs to play at the small reception that we had,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I'm playing that, and a song came on that we played at the funeral.
1: Ah, uh, yeah.
0: And I just started crying, and I couldn't figure out why, and I couldn't figure yep. out like, like how that song had done that to me. And I had to, te- yeah. I had to text a friend and be like, "Did they play this at the funeral?" Mm. And they were like, "Yes." And I was like, "Okay, yep. maybe that one should not be in there." Yeah. Yeah that that would not be a good thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's always those small little things that pop mm-hmm. up and that that uh, kind of bring you back, I guess, to a reality of what you once had. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. back to what we considered normal. Right. And and back to the part where you said that um, you you say this is a trauma um, mm-hmm. forever. I never thought of it as that. I thought it yeah. it's just what it is. I mean, it happened. Um, let's just kind of move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the famous shitty saying is, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, which I really do not like anymore. But forever, yeah. when I said that um, I had a daughter who was terminally ill, I figured out a way just to reword it to say that I was blessed with a daughter mm-hmm. who was terminally mm-hmm. ill yeah um so i i i assume just for my well-being um and it's almost helpful people's reactions to Mm -hmm. all of it yeah um normally and i think i've told you this on several occasions that whenever you say you know my daughter died or she passed away however you want to word it their faces just kind of it it tells the story where they're just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, I have no idea what to say to this dude. Yeah. But there's also those wheels turning where there are questions they want to ask. And mm-hmm. I'm very open.
1: Yeah, I am too.
0: Answering, you know, because i you know, it's part of my life. Yep. It's just, you know, that, that other saying, you just got dealt a shitty hand. Well, mm-hmm. Bella got dealt that shitty hand, but she dealt with it better than anyone I would ever think would have. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I don't think, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, that she ever actually cried or threw up after chemo.
1: She went through, I want to say it was three months of vomiting um after she had been on one treatment protocol for maybe 6 months and i think it was just her body's way of saying okay i've had enough of this but the amazing nurses there you know we just kind of played around with um with different uh nausea medicines and so we figured out what worked for her to keep her from feeling nauseous and throwing up Uh, and oh my gosh. So this brings back another funny memory. Uh, (laughs) She, this, and it was a different treatment protocol, but you know, she had gone, got hooked up, got, got her chemo and she slept. She always slept through her chemo. I think it was a coping mechanism, partly to cope with the boredom of just being stuck there in one place and not really having anything to do. Um, and also just to avoid having to deal with all of that in general. Uh, but she woke up and she was cranky. She didn't throw up, but she was just really cranky. And so Miss Susie, I think it was Miss Susie, one of the nurses there at Vanderbilt was like, do you think she's feeling nauseous? Cause she had already had her, her usual nausea medicine. And I'm like, she could. And so she's like, okay, let me tell Dr. Kaddish, um, And see what he wants to do. And so Susie came back. And she's like. Well he's written an order for Ativan. Now Ativan typically is used for anxiety in adults. But can also be used uh, to help with nausea in cancer patients. And so we go back to this one room. Where they would always um, access her port. Or put the, the needle in her port to get her ready for chemo and stuff. And so we went back there. And it was just a push. There was no IV drip or anything. Susie just. Put the little syringe you know, at the end of Bella's tubing and just did a slow push. And as she's pushing in the Ativan, Bella's sitting up and her head starts drooping forward. And as soon as Susie finishes pushing in the Ativan, Bella's like, ice, ice, baby.
0: <laughs>
1: and we just burst out laughing. It was the funniest thing. And so, of course, Susie had to go back and tell Dr. Cutish And, you know, he's... One of these kind of people, he's kind of low key, even keel, just steady. You know, when you're talking to him, all this other stuff, she said, she told him that and he's laughing to the point where he's like slapping his hand on his desk. He just thought it was the funniest thing. And so um, that lasted that happiness that Bella had lasted all of a half hour. And Jerry, you may not remember this, but, uh, we had arranged you were getting her that night. And so after about 30 minutes, she became like super angry Bella. And I just remember you had the Dickens of a time with her that night. I don't know that you got much sleep that night, but she was just so angry. Like, I think I remember you saying, you know, I tried to offer her a toy. I tried to offer her this and she would just scream at you. Like not continuous, but like just do one burst of scream and like throw something and then be quiet again. And then you try something else. And Oh, you had, you had, from what you told me the next day, the awfulest time. And so I called, you know, when you brought her back that morning, I called and talked to one of the nurse practitioners there at the chemo clinic in Nashville. And she's like looking up the Ativan and she's like, ah, so Bella's an angry drunk. And I'm just like, Oh my God, that's the funniest thing she could have said. But turns out, you know, She's like, it'll probably last about 24 hours. And sure enough, at the 24th hour, Bella perked right back up and got back to her usual cheery self. But the the ice, ice baby, the just the way she just was like angry and Julie saying, ah, oh, she's an angry drunk. I'm like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> that would be my child. So just another funny story. I mean, there's just a million of them.
0: I've got another question for you. Okay. What out of the blue story do you remember about someone helping us?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, So, at the time that Bella was diagnosed, I was working for, I was a contract employee for a big company in, um, in Louisville there. And... There was a uh, graphic designer that we would use that was not in-house, but was another contract employee. And she and her husband, um, they just, they knew we were struggling financially, and we were concerned. And, you know, I started out being on FMLA, hoping that I could work out something where I could still try to work some, and that didn't, I'd, you know, had to quit my job. And we were down to one income and this sweet woman and her husband, you know, wrote us out a check and it was just what was needed and just kind of out of the blue. And it's just amazing.
0: It is. It was, it was, um, very, um, bringing you back to where you believe in people.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: just, so many different stories we have of, you know, just going to the mailbox and there was a check and yeah. this was like pre Facebook and, you know, had to call around just to see who the person was or
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Um, once you first got diagnosed and we had to go to uh, Boston, a, a a person I hadn't talked to in 10, 15 years, maybe mm-hmm. yeah.
1: um,
0: just, Called out of the blue and said, "Hey, go pick up this. Uh, I've got something for you. Go pick it up." And it was a check, Yeah. and it was enough to cover the uh, airline expenses. Yeah. Um, yeah, the people in Boston whose friends stopped and bought the bouncy chair that she. Oh yeah, yes. Very quickly. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it 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 really lets you know that there are good people still out there in the world. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, even though all you hear is the bad things, but. Yeah. Hopefully my mind still remembers most of the good.
1: Mhm. Oh yeah. You know, and that aspect of our life, you know, having to go down to one income. People it may be today it's a little bit more recognized because of things like gofundme pages that you see um, on Facebook and that sort of thing, but you know poverty being in financial difficulties, I mean that can be traumatic, and so that's an aspect that you know a lot of people don't realize for families who have a child that has a major medical illness is you're not just dealing with the trauma of your whole world has now just been turned upside down you had. You have a child that you once thought was perfectly healthy and now has this major medical illness that could wind up being terminal. All of that's traumatic, but now you have the trauma of financial insecurity. And for some people that turns into housing insecurity and food insecurity and utility insecurity and not knowing maybe even becoming homeless to a certain point. Um, and so that's just another added trauma onto everything else.
0: We were very lucky to have a group of people. Oh, so,
1: yes. Figure, so
0: lucky. Figure out a way to help us along the way. Yeah. Even my mother writing that cookbook of all things. Mm-hmm.
1: To, oh, my gosh. To yes. Money.
0: Um, do you remember when she said she, she finally got the books published? that a semi truck pulled up to their house and they had to store the cookbooks in the garage, the building and in their house at the time.
1: I don't remember that.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah. Holy crap. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and uh, the cookbooks, I have the, the most amazing story. So Where I work, we offer case management and it's where, um, you know, certain people qualify and they, a case manager can coordinate, you know, different services, help with different needs, that sort of thing. And one of the case managers that I work with who lives in Glasgow, she was like, Jennifer, Jennifer you'll never believe what I found the other week. And I'm like, what? She's like, well, I was cleaning out drawers where I keep cookbooks. And she's like, did you and your family do a cookbook for your daughter? I'm like, yes, we did. And so, yes. So my friend Amy has one of Bella's cookbooks and it's just, and that's, that just kind of illustrates the reach that Bella has. I mean, here it's been almost 10 years. Since she's passed away and I am still finding connections with people that I've only recently in the last, you know, two years or so have gotten to know. And they have some sort of connection with Bella, whether it's they knew a person who knew our story or in this case, my friend Amy has the cookbook. It's just the wildest thing.
0: All of it's the wildest thing. Mm
1: hmm. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, thank you for taking the time out of your day. Yeah. And I appreciate you being the guinea pig on the first episode.
1: <laughs> My pleasure. And My al- pleasure. Always
0: talking to you always brings back memories of things that I did not know or I just mm-hmm. don't remember. Yeah. Uh, so it's always a blessing to talk to you and have you listen because it's usually me calling you.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. um, you know that will that connection we have will never go away. Bella's not here physically; she's in her hearts. Uh, but that connection, you just it just won't ever go away. It just that's just part of our journey. So yeah,
0: and I appreciate everything you did uh, through the six years. Uh, uh. And I wish you all the best. And thank you. I for wish being you the on. same. Thank you for being on here.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Bye. Bye.
0: I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you for listening. And as always, stay amazing, stay adorable, and stay awesome.